from the Sky News Centre at seven. The families of three people stabbed to death in Nottingham say they've been let down as their killer was sent to a secure hospital. Paranoid schizophrenic Valdo Calcarne killed Barnaby Weber, Grace O'Malley Kumar and Ian Coates last June. Barnaby's mother Emma told reporters Assistant Chief Constable Rob Griffin has blood on his hands because of missed opportunities to arrest him. He's admitted officers should have done more. When you examine his behaviour, it is very obvious that he had mental health challenges, but I don't think there was anything obvious that would indicate that he might go on and do what he did. Hopes the government had resolved its pay dispute with senior hospital doctors in England have been dashed with consultants rejecting a pay offer. 51% voted against the proposals. Dr Simon Walsh from the British Medical Association says the union's not currently planning further walkouts. There's no reason for, for, for there to be further strikes um, and we uh, we want to very much get back around the table with the government to see if we can get to an offer that can be approved um, in, in the the coming days and weeks. The first, uh, Scotland's First Minister, Humza Youssef, has told the COVID inquiry a review will take place into the way his government handles WhatsApps. Earlier messages were shown where Nicola Sturgeon called Boris Johnson a clown, although the former First Minister had deleted her messaging history. Key, figure, key figures in the Houthi regime have been sanctioned by the UK and US. The asset freezes and travel bans are aimed at disrupting their ability to carry out attacks in the Red Sea. Shoplifting offences in England and Wales have risen to their highest level in 20 years. Over 400,000 were recorded by police in the year to September. That's up nearly a third on the previous year. Sports Bournemouth take on Championship Swansea for a place in the fifth round of the FA Cup later this hour. The Premier League side had to come from 2-0 down to beat second-tier strugglers QPR in the last round. That's the latest time Faye Rollins. We are. We are. Castle Down FM. Yeah, welcome along to this week's edition of the programme. And uh, some people have said to me yeah, that surely after doing Sounds Interesting for 10 years, you'll run out of bands or artists to cover on the programme. Well, I have always said that uh, that won't happen, and tonight proves that. We are featuring the rock band uh, Nazareth, who apart from a, a very occasional track, uh, we've never actually featured on the programme. So we shall put that right tonight. In order to do so uh, justice to the band, uh, Martin Popoff, who joins us on the programme all the way from Canada, would you believe? Uh, and he's written a brilliant book about Nazareth. So uh, we'll be coming to him in just a moment. But first of all, let's have a track from T-Rex. This is Ride a White Swan. <laughs> Morning, you know all you know. Uh, uh. 
Bell had and a touch of doubt. Right away, swan like the people of a building where you hear long, baby, can't go far. And of course, Mark Boland, who was such a flamboyant uh, character, wasn't he? Well, we're going now to our special feature of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth were formed in Dunfermline in Scotland in 1969. They came about from the ashes of Shadets, who were Dan McCafferty, Pete Agney and uh, Daryl Sweet. They added uh, Manny Charlton and uh, Nazareth turned pro and relocated to London, where they gained a recording contract with of Records. They'd already uh, gained a loyal following from their fans in Scotland, so released two hard rock albums for the label... Um, Pegasus before uh, the late 71 and mid 72 after which they moved to Mooncrest Records and this proved to be the band's uh, turning point. The band hit the big time with their top 10 smash Broken Down Angel which uh, is certainly where I first became aware of them. But anyway I'm going to talk a little bit uh, well a lot more to Martin Popoff who knows so much more about Nazareth than I do. But first of all let's hear this one from, uh, from Nazareth this is called Lift the Lid which is what we're going to do. <laughs>
So, uh, I'm joined now by Martin Popoff, uh, and you're joining us on Sounds Interesting uh, from Canada, where Nazareth uh, spend a great deal of their time and perhaps received their greatest uh, success. Is that right, Martin? Yeah, I would say so. This is definitely a territory that was good for them. Brazil was good for them. Germany is a, is a good territory. But Canada, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's almost like anybody who was on A&M Records Canada did, did quite well here. You know, mm-hmm. Styx uh, had, had quite a career here, Supertramp. But Nazareth is one of these bands that... Um, Seems to uh, have no fear about uh, touring, uh, you know, Western and Northern Canada and all sorts of small places. I've seen them. I'm, I'm from British Columbia originally. I'm in Toronto now, but uh, you know, I've I've seen them out uh, that way as well. Um, you know, my family members have seen them. So yeah, this uh, this definitely was a big territory for them, and they had something like eight or nine records uh, all in a row that went gold in Canada here. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, only just you know the, the one record that went gold. Uh, well, actually, Platinum and Face Hair, Hair of the Dog went platinum. But yeah, just a string of gold and platinum albums definitely in Canada.
voice of Tidworth and Ludgershall, heard around the world. We are Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G.
brilliant. And you've put together this amazing book. Um, the, the, the photographs on it, I think it's some of the best I've seen of any band. But we'll come more to that in a minute. But uh, before the name Nazareth was uh, accepted, the band uh, performed under the name The Shadats. Uh, you say in the book uh, their first gig was at the YMCA in Kilcuddy, uh, Scotland, where the band were from. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure on the particulars there, but yeah, they're, they're definitely they go back a long ways, and and uh, obviously, yeah, a, a Scottish band. The, the first was you know pretty heavy and Led Zeppelin, so that's mm-hmm. 1971, and then they had Exercises, which was kind of a folky thing, and then and then they really found their stride, and then started you know touring heavily when they got involved with Roger Glover and the and that whole you know him yeah. him telling them to get you know get their songs heavier and be more of a rock and band and use Dan's gritty voice sort of thing but yeah they have a long history that goes back a, a long ways Pete Agnew even started on guitar um but um yeah they they uh, they definitely even by the time they got their record deal they were pretty pretty seasoned performers mm, and you mentioned in the book that uh, in 1962 uh, that Bonnie Dobson performed a live version of Morning Dew which Nazareth also did on their first album so what do you think of their version it's good. I mean, this is one of the things about Nazareth that that was one of their calling cards is that they were also they were never afraid to do covers and lots of covers. I mean, mm-hmm. they loved that first Crazy Horse album and did two or three songs from that, and mm-hmm. and pretty much every album, you know, they they would have a, a pretty prominent cover on it. And of course, uh, you know, as time went on, more, Morning Dew is just a, a, a staple that you know the Led Zeppelin guys love that as well. Robert Plant. Um, but as time went on, you know, obviously Love Hurts was, was a massive song for them. Um, and uh, This Flight Tonight, you know, I, I had yep. a version of a, of a Joni Mitchell song. So, yeah, this is a band that uh, kind of didn't, didn't care who wrote the song. As long as it was a good song, they were, they were going to take, take a good look at it. Out in the morning dew Walk me out in the morning dew today I can't walk you out in no morning dew Can't walk you out in no morning dew at all Thought I heard a young girl cry today You didn't hear no young girl crying, mama You didn't hear no young girl cry at all
indeed, and their first single was uh, Dear John, which was released in January 1972. And by the next month, the band were playing at the Rainbow, uh, supporting the Faces. That must have felt uh, as if they'd made the big time by then. Yeah, and, you know, and they quickly became, um, you know, they, they took to the whole touring thing like, like ducks to water. I mean, they, they essentially lived their lives, uh, lives on the road starting, you know, when, when things got, uh, when things got really successful. And they, mm-hmm. they've been a world band too. They've been one of these bands that, that would go you know, to Eastern Europe and beyond that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're right. They spent a lot of time away. They spent a lot of time trying to crack the states, but um, they, did find, they did find good territories, like I say, in Canada, Brazil, Germany. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, a global band, and they, and they got to live that life of, of being those, you know, you know troubadours just uh, tour, touring around the world and, and trying to sell the gospel of, of these great hits they had. Absolutely.
voice of Tidworth and Ludger Schull, heard around the world. We are Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G.
1973 they issued the great single Broken Down Angel, I remember buying it at the time. It reached number 9 on the UK charts, that must have helped Nazareth to reach a wider audience? Yeah, for sure, and that was actually possibly the first uh, first album I got of theirs as a new release. I would have been about 10, 10 years old in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that song, that that's one thing, and that's and that's kind of a uh, almost like a um, you know a, a version of a, of a new country song in a way. Um, but there were there's some notoriously heavy songs on there. Razamanaz is 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 talked about as yep. as almost like a precursor to thrash. It's so heavy, and mm-hmm. you've got Alcatraz on there, and woke up this morning. So, you know, Razamanaz was a good rock and heavy album. Pretty pretty uncommonly heavy for 1973.
And you called your book Loud and Proud 50 Years of Nazareth. Loud and Proud was an album they released in October 1973, which got to number 10 in the UK album charts. You talk about how the band, band were uh, short of a track to finish the album, and they ended up doing a Dylan cover. Yeah, and that is one of the, that was a spooky, spooky song for us as kids. I mean, it is nine minutes long, The Ballad of Hollis Brown. This one is almost like a precursor to drone music or doom, doom, a doom metal or drone metal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just this big, slow, crushing groove and, and a very sad story, you know, about murder out in the country sort of thing. And yeah, it, it takes up that side. But, you know, and you've got two other covers on that album. Of course, This Fight Tonight's the big hit, but you've got even Teenage Nervous Breakdown, the Little Heat cover, and the rest of it's pretty heavy. I remember Love and, you know, Not Faking It. That's one of their heaviest songs ever. Um, and, you know, this is, this is a band doing that thing that we, we kept hearing about in the 70s where... You know, quite often bands could get in two studio albums in a year. Your I Heap was known for mm-hmm. that. You think of Grand Funk, you think of Kiss. Um, but this was this was Nazareth's essentially golden year with these, these two hit albums all in one year. Well, let's not uh, actually hear the Nazareth version. Actually, let's go back to that Little Feet version of Teenage Nervous Breakdown. This is Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve J. Between the 
This flight tonight, which you just mentioned, as it came out in February 1974, uh, it was written by uh, Joni Mitchell. Roger Clover says he got the job in Judas Priest due to Nazareth's arrangement of this song. Uh, can you explain that? Yeah, so <coughs> the idea with this song, excuse me, is 1977, and we have Judas Priest doing Diamonds and Rust, which is the Joan Baez song, and they do it as a heavy metal gallop. Um, so in the in the Nazareth song, they have this kind of novel, very sparse rhythm track. But when you get to the the uh, Diamonds and Rust song, you know it's got more of a conventional drum track to it. But the guitar track is essentially dead on uh, this play tonight. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting thing is this song. You know, Nancy Wilson from Heart uh, cites this song as as the big influence on them writing Barracuda, mm-hmm. one of their most famous songs, certainly their heaviest songs, and also the same thing, a, a heavy metal gallop. Mm-hmm.
1975, Nazareth were already uh, releasing their sixth album, uh, Hair as a Dog. It was produced by uh, Manny Charlton, who produced uh, a number of their albums. How did that come about? Uh, was it by chance or planned? Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. I mean, uh, Manny Charlton, he had a little bit of a, uh, you know, a technical background. He worked mm-hmm. with radios and stuff uh, be- before Nazareth. Um, but but he was always the guy who was most cognizant and most interested in what Roger was doing. And... Um, so, so they basically decided, hey, we can we can uh, produce this album ourselves, and he does an amazing job. I mean, that is probably I, w- I would say, uh, you know, arguably, but I would say it's a better sounding album than either uh, Razamanaz or, or Loud and Proud or Rampant, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's their most high fidelity. You know, it's full range. It's got a lot of bass, a lot of treble. It's very, very beautiful sounding. Like it sounds expensive. Um, so yeah, it, it was pretty interesting that the guitarist in the band became this great producer and uh you know and like you say um, i mean produced for you know their albums for a while
much Holy Roller there by uh, Nazareth but we'll be back with uh, Martin Popoff after the uh, news but uh, just to say we're going to play uh, Love Hurts after uh, to take us up to to the news and actually Love Hurts uh, was originally uh, got to number four in 1975 for Jim Capaldi do you know there we are you always get the information on sounds interesting
sounds interesting with Steve G. online and through your smart speakers this is castle down fm news update from the Sky News Centre at 8, the families of three people killed in Nottingham by a man with paranoid schizophrenia say true justice has not been served. Valdo Calcarne stabbed 19-year-old students Barnaby Weber and Grace O'Malley Kumar as well as school caretaker Ian Coates last summer. He's admitted manslaughter and been given an indefinite hospital order. Ian Coates' son James expressed his disappointment with the sentence outside court. The failures from the police, the CPS, the health service have resulted in the murder of my father and these two innocent students. All we can do is hope that in due course some sort of justice will be served. This man has made a mockery of the system and he has got away from murder. Hospital consultants in England have narrowly voted against an offer aimed at resolving a long pay dispute with the government. 51% voted against the proposals. The Old Baileys heard how a baby girl died after her parents, described as cruel and arrogant, went on the run. Constance Martin and Mark Gordon deny the multiple charges. The COVID inquiry has seen WhatsApp messages showing Nicola Sturgeon calling Boris Johnson a clown. Scotland's former First Minister deleted her chat history, but some of her messages have been recovered. Her successor, Humza Yousaf, apologised over what he called the Scottish Government's poor handling of WhatsApps. Amar Anwar, who represents Scottish COVID bereaved, says it's too little, too late. The damage has been done, the evidence has been destroyed, and today was nothing more than a shameful 11th hour scrambling to sort out a mess created by his government and predecessors. Critical evidence was destroyed on an industrial scale. Premier League Bournemouth have made a bright start in their FA Cup fourth round tie against Championship Swansea. They lead 2-0 at the Vitality Stadium. And the father of Killian Murphy says he's not fond of all the fuss which comes with his son's fame. Speaking to Irish station RTE, the Cork man says he's unlikely to travel to the Oscars in March, but he's happy for his son's success. That's the latest on Faye Rollins. We are. We are. Castle Down FM. Yeah, welcome back to uh, Sounds Interesting. And what we're doing tonight is uh, we are featuring the rock band Nazareth. And we're very pleased to be joined all the way from Canada uh, by Martin Popoff, who's written a brilliant book on the band. And uh, before we hear more of uh, Nazareth and uh, from Martin, uh, here's a track from a band that were around a similar sort of time in the 70s. This is Sweet, and it's called Blockbuster. <laughs> You never know what you'll find 
Or, or different kinds of uh, music and then put their own rock uh, thing on it and certainly Nazareth recorded Love Hurts which was later recorded by Cher uh, which might be seen as an unusual single for a heavy rock band but you know you, as you've already said you know that's what they did but it went gold in the US so it was certainly very successful yeah and it's it became one of these ultimate you know wedding songs of you mm-hmm. know people in the 70s and, and early 80s sort of thing it's um it's just a very slow-moving, strident, kind of a power ballad. You could say it's a power ballad because, I mean, it is a full band song. It is an electric song. It's got this great, um, you know, great Dan, Ca- Dan McCafferty vocal on it. Um, you know, uh, Everly Brothers more or less made it famous. Well, Nazareth made it much more famous. But mm-hmm. the interesting thing is um, it is only on, on our version. And I think I think over in Britain you, you got it on... Um, you got it on the greatest hits thing, right? Or like a, as a standalone yeah. single. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah. So so it was a huge hit here. It was on the American version. It was on the Canadian version. Um, you know, it, certainly the the mellowest song on the album. It's a pretty hard charging album. With uh, you know, Hair of the Dog was a big hit here as well. Mm. Um, but super heavy songs in there, like Miss Misery and Changing Times, and then you know the whole whole. You got another Crazy Horse cover. They they covered Crazy Horse again. Um, yeah, Gu- Guilty is the one you guys got on on your UK version, right? Yeah. Well, we heard the. Uh sort of the Nazareth version uh, just at the end of the first hour there uh, so let's uh, have another version of Love Hurts this is uh, Roy Orbison before we uh, talk more to Martin Love Love's gone Love wounds and Mars hey, hey, hey. 
only managed to make number 49 how did the band feel about that or weren't they particularly bothered because they were more of an album uh, band do you think you mean you mean sort of as a as a group the records in the late 70s kind of thing yeah as as it started not to to be such big sort of uh singles hit single hits yeah uh, you know were, yeah, were they bothered know, or did they feel well yeah we're an album band now so not to worry about well, it I'm not sure, you know, that's an interesting question because I don't really consider them particularly an album band. I think they always wanted to write singles. I mean, Mm -hmm. certainly they never had anything too conceptual, um, you know, an an actual narrative like a concept album. But they Mm -hmm. also, I think, um, always maintained, and even more so, it got a little more frustrating as time went on, and this is why the the popularity waned. But they they always maintained... um, that they would do songs in any style. Mm. And and that really you definitely started noticing that, you know, up into playing the game and expect no mercy. No No Mean mm. City was a pretty heavy album. But then they radically changed from Alice in Wonderland where where they really kind of dropped the heavy arrangements. But um no, I, I would say I would say they always would have wanted singles and certainly they always would would have wanted increasing fame. But um you know definitely marking those later albums is um is is kind of lowering the percentages on the on the straight you know head banging knees up uh, hard rock that you got you know essentially from that Razmanaz loud and proud rampant here the dog era. <laughs>
surprising to notice how much actually Nazareth toured and did world tours. And in, 19, in early 1979, they toured the States uh, with Thin Lizzy. Uh, and I guess that was part of the the, the world tour. But, uh, you know, that must have been amazing for audience to have Thin Lizzy and Nazareth on stage, you know, two great rock bands like that. Yeah, they, I mean, they played with everybody. And they were, you know, often they would be the sandwich band, often they would be a support band. Um, but, yeah, they were absolute touring warriors. And, and yeah, that, that would have been an, an amazing bill uh, for sure to see. But, um yeah, they they just they never quite had that big breakthrough. Like I say, you know, and Dan McCafferty joked with me once. I guess this is true, but he said we even got like a gold eight track award for uh, <laughs> for Hair of the Dog. Um, but yeah, so that thing went platinum uh, mm. in the states, and um, you know, Canada. I think one, two, three, fourish, fourish albums went platinum, and then you've got greatest hits albums and stuff too. That so that's another thing of these these bands that we always tend to forget, which I find interesting is is. Um, Quite often, um, a, a lot of these big legacy bands, they have a greatest hits album that is one of their best sellers of all mm. time. So yeah. it, there's extra sales hiding in these things, the greatest hits, the live albums, although Nazareth never did too good a job with the whole live album thing. <laughs> And some men like a foul 
especially on my mother's keyboard. Interesting with Steve G. Local radio for everyone. We are Castle Down FM. Was this due to the fact that there was much less creative output or squabbles that were beginning to appear within the band? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it definitely squabbles, but it's also um, just just wondering what sort of direction should we take. I think Malice in Wonderland, you know, produced by uh, Skunk Baxter, um, mm-hmm. and and it made a little bit of a buzz. It, it kind of like brought a little bit of notoriety and fame back uh, to the band. Although there, it, it almost seemed like it almost seemed like the sales went up in conjunction with the complaints about them. But the funny thing is, I think they felt kind of cre- uh, creatively rejuvenated with that album, and that caused. Uh, the Fool Circle and Two XS, the Sound Elixir, the Catch and Cinema. These these albums that sold nothing um, and and were not were not hard rocking or heavy at all. Um, it, and it just shows a, a definite creative fearlessness in what they were doing. That they kept doing this, you know, knowing that there probably was a direction they could do to to much greater sales. You know, especially uh, it's it's funny. It's it's quite amazing how how totally they, they sat out the new wave of British heavy metal, right? Yeah. Um, oh. You know, certain bands got heavier, fine. Um, certain bands, you know, there, there was there were some storylines where you've got Ozzy going solo and Black Sabbath getting, you know, Ronnie in, but mm-hmm. certain bands stayed the course and just and just did well from that. Scorpions, Judas Priest, you had baby bands come in. But, um, you know, you, you look at what Nazareth did during the new wave of British heavy metal, and it's almost like they ran completely in the other direction. Yeah, Whereas indeed. right then and there, I mean, the excitement, of metal being kind of like one of the grandfather bands, the pillar bands of this movement. Boy, they—I I really think they could have cleaned up had they had they gone three times as heavy there rather than three times as light.
and you, you're saying that you know, there sort of was some new material from, from the new albums, and I just wondered how it went down when they, they played at the Hammersmith Odeon in March 1980. Uh, were fans just wanting to hear the old sort of classic tracks, or were they open to that new material? Well, I, again, I, I think uh, this this brings up the point of the of the new wave of British heavy metal, and and so at this point, a yes, ev- everybody always wants to just hear the hits, but b yeah. their, their new music wasn't even heavy. So mm-hmm. so right there, you got Malice in Wonderland, The Fool Circle, and Two XS. You know, three very light albums right mm-hmm. in the thick of the new wave of British heavy metal. So, um, and and you know, you noticed even when they did the the live album, Snaz that um, subtly their arrangements even of heavy songs were starting to be not heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as time went on, you had, a, you had an extra guitarist, but that didn't make them very heavy. They, they had essentially a piano player, a keyboardist slash piano player. Um, and um, yeah, for a long, long time there, you really got, even if a song felt like it was a song that might have been written sort of heavy, or that could be a heavy song, the arrangements such that they, they were just, their, their heads were not in that space whatsoever. Dream on, though it's hard to tell, though you're fooling yourself, dream on, dream on.
groupie chasing mm -hmm. kind of touring guys, but they loved living on the road. They just loved being those guys going from town to town and, and you know, enjoying a jar, as they say, um, and, uh, and just playing to whatever crowd was out. And, and you know, for many, mm -hmm. many years in many, many markets, it's pretty small crowds. Um, but also, you know, they definitely had the, you know, the big heyday years. I mean, one of Russia's, you know, in, in fact, Russia's first tour, you know, going all the way across Canada was, was supporting um, Nazareth. They go yeah. all the way to, you know, there's a story in there about going going fishing, you know, off the coast of uh, BC. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, they got to support, um, Rush supported Nazareth, and that was mm -hmm. one of their fondest memories in terms of, you know, trying to, trying to get up the ladder. Mm -hmm.
matters there have been periods of serious illness or even those who have died so you know that must have always like any for any band it, it must really hit hit them hard yeah so we so we lose daryl sweet the drummer i mean this was a band with a very very stable lineup but we lose daryl sweet the drummer i think uh when would that have been in mid 90s I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I, I don't have it handy here but we left him quite a while ago um and then just recently, uh, you know, Dan, we knew Dan had his his troubles with COPD, uh, mm-hmm. essentially. You know, you think of all those years of being in all that, you know, smoking and secondhand smoke and all that, right? Yeah. Um, but so, so you know, he had to bow out of the band. He just said, look, I can't do it anymore. He had some some unfortunate gigs where, where you know, he was just losing his energy. Beautifully, we got this very poignant, um, you know, heartbreaking last solo album out of him, that Last Testament thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we lose Dan, um, uh, Dan, and then also we lose Manny uh, pretty much at, at the same time. Um, so, you know, Manny's been out of the band for a long time, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to have three members like that go, you know, there was a meme. Uh, we we have a we had a um, we have a YouTube show uh, right. that we do out here called Contrarians. Then I had Marco make up one of those uh, those internet memes where it was uh, the the play in the game album cover. You know, where they're sitting there playing poker, and we just had Pete Agnew there because hmm. literally that lineup, three of those guys are gone now.
Um, well, thank you very, very much, uh, Martin. I think the book is amazing, and, and the uh, pictures you got, which I think were done by Ronnie Ramus Amaran, or at least he got those together for you, absolutely fantastic. Uh, the book's called Loud and Proud, 50 Years of Nazareth. Thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Sounds Interesting, Martin Popoff. Yes, thank you, Steve. This was Shanghai in Shanghai. Shanghai in Shanghai, I should say. 
and uh, which it got to number 41 in the British charts on the 23rd of March 1974. And as we heard in the interview with Martin Popov, uh, Dan McCafferty found time to complete and release an album full of covers which actually received a backlash from some of Nazareth's fans. Uh, we're going to have now a track from uh, Nazareth called My White Bicycle, which of course again was a cover. Uh, Coast Nazareth, the single uh, My White Bicycle. 
Well, the next uh, member of the sensational Alex Harvey band uh, joined the ranks of Nazareth, Zal Clemenson. And, of course, Alex Harvey and his band were known for doing covers like the successful single Delilah, very much uh, like some of the singles, uh, sort of covers that Nazareth have done. And in Brian Johnson's book, The Lives of Brian, he is talking about his time uh, before joining ACDC when he was a member of Georgie. He says he we were headlining uh, and a Scottish band called Nazareth were the support I had never heard of them. Not many people outside of Glasgow had. Before the show, I started chatting with their singer, Dan McCafferty, and we got on immediately. Isn't that lovely? Let's have a track then from Georgie. This is called All Because of You. I can Smart speaker. Play Castle Down FM and online via the World Wide Web. We are Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G. Yeah. 
Sweet, of course, doing uh, a bit of blockbusting <laughs> or blockbuster. Well, that's just about all we've got time for this week on Sounds Interesting. Do hope you've enjoyed this uh, program on Nazareth. Uh, as next Thursday is Maundy Thursday, we will be starting off our Easter programs with special Easter Sounds Interesting. Uh, my guest will be John Pantry, who has produced many Christian records, as well as a number of commercial artists back in the 60s and 70s. So we'll be playing a mixture of both of those. Uh, so do join me from 7pm next Thursday. This is me, Steve G, signing off. Do have a great week, won't you?
sounds interesting with Steve G.